morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at, First, uh, at Faith Community United Methodist Church on this second uh, Sunday of Advent. Good to be with you in worship this morning. If you have not already filled out the attendance pads, those are in the pew racks in front of you, so please uh, do find those attendance pads, fill those out, and pass them along to others who are worshiping uh, beside you this morning. You have uh, the announcements uh, on the insert in your bulletin. There are a lot of announcements, a lot of important things coming up. The, uh, thank you for those who have uh, purchased gifts and brought them back for the St. Paul's Christmas tree. Uh, those gifts are due today, so if you bought gifts and forgot to bring them with you this morning, uh, you can go home after worship today and grab them and bring them back with you when you come for the Blue Christmas service this afternoon. Uh, that service is at uh, 2.30 this afternoon here in the sanctuary, Blue Christmas. The music, uh, harp music begins at 2.15, so come early uh, to enjoy that music uh, as we enter into that time of, uh, of worship for the uh, Blue Christmas service. We uh, have the cookie sale this morning. I should say we had the cookie sale this morning. If you were hoping uh, to buy cookies after worship, you're out of luck. We, we sold out, uh, and thank you to all of you who... who uh, made cookies and brought cookies and bought cookies uh, this morning. All of that money uh, that has been collected is going to go to purchase holiday craft supplies for the children in the Xenia area shelters. So uh, thank you for that. Next Sunday, there are a couple of things coming up next Sunday. The uh, community Christmas, the Christmas, I never say it right, Lynn. <laughs> the, community Christmas Concert Band will be here uh, next Sunday at 3 o'clock. Uh, in the sanctuary, so come to enjoy that concert and then stay around after the concert. We will have our church family night uh, Christmas party at 5 o'clock next Sunday, so you're invited and hope you come to, to both of those. Uh, you need to get your Christmas poinsettia orders in by next Sunday. That uh, is also in your bulletin. It's on the back of the Advent candle lighting insert, the order form for Christmas poinsettias, so get that in uh, to order your Christmas poinsettias. Finally, just want to uh, mention that if you did ask for offering envelopes for 2023, those are available on, on the table out in the narthex next to the office. So if you, those, we didn't uh, order them for everybody, but for those who asked for envelopes for next year, uh, those are available out there. So be sure to stop by and pick those up. We come into this, into this place and into this time to give ourselves to God in worship. So let us be in that spirit and, and stand as you're able to join in the call to worship. Come apart to this place of rest and renewal. Let your spirits rejoice in the presence of God. God looks with favor on the humble and lowly. God's covenant does not focus on rank or position. Blessed are those who walk in God's light. Blessed are all who say yes to God's will. The heavens proclaim the wonders of God. Let all the earth rejoice in Christ's coming. And please stay standing for the invocation and join me. God of unseen angels and unheard greetings, whose love for humankind continues even when we are inattentive, 
Favor us now with a message we cannot ignore. Reign among us that we may respond to your call and serve with faithfulness in the ways you envision for us. Make us instruments of your peace. Amen. And please remain standing for our opening hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Please be seated. 
they will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. We are the followers of that root of Jesse Isaiah spoke of. We are the ones who are now called to stand as a signal to the world, to all of creation, that peace is the will of the one who created us. Peace is the knowledge of the Lord that we proclaim from sea to shining sea. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near, and bear fruit worthy of repentance. We light these candles, the candle of joyful hope and the candle of proclaimed peace, in part to remind ourselves that we are a people rising toward God's promise. But we also light them as a sign to the world, an announcement that there are some who hold on to hope and there are some who work the ways of peace. We stand as a sign that Emmanuel is still our fervent prayer. Can I have the children come forward, please? It's good to see so many of you here today. I am going to start off with a quiz. Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> so. There's been a lot of talk about candy canes and how candy canes can help remind us about Jesus. Do you know of any ways they can help remind us of Jesus? That's right. Good job, Luke. It's, you hold it this way, it looks like a shepherd's hook. When you turn it upside down, it looks like a J for Jesus, right? What about the red? Thank you. Yes, very good. So far, you guys are passing this quiz. <laughs> the red on the candy canes reminds us of Jesus' blood that he shed. And what is there one more thing you know? The white is for that the, um, God will take our sins away, right? Well, I found three more things about candy canes that help us think about Jesus. And I didn't know that. Maybe you already do. But one of them is, have you ever gone to get a candy cane and it's all broken? But, and it, it's not a shepherd's hook and it's not a J for Jesus because it's all broken. But even if you have a broken candy cane, that should remind you of Jesus because what did he do? He allowed the people to break him, to, to kill him, right? And he did that for us. So broken candy canes should also remind us of Jesus. And there's something else that, um, two more things that I wanted to go over today. One is that what happens if you're real patient? Now, I'm not real patient because I like sugar. Just ask Mr. Wickline. <laughs> I like sugar. 
Um, so I bite on my candy canes. But if you don't, if you just suck on it, what happens to the red? Luke? It, it, it goes away and it's just white. And what happens if we mess up and we sin and we ask for forgiveness? What does God do for us? He takes that sin away, doesn't he? So it's kind of like the candy cane. He takes the red and takes it away, and it's just white and pure, just like what we want to be. The final thing that I want you to know about candy canes is that they are, you should always, if you take one, you should take two and give one to somebody else. So they should be a gift. And just like how God gifted Jesus to us at Christmas time, that's what we should do with our candy canes. So guess what I'm going to give you today? I'm going to give you one candy cane because I don't have enough for everybody to have two. But that is, that is our children's sermon for today. I hope you guys remember that when you see candy canes this Christmas season. Our prayer hymn this morning is Away in a Manger. If you want to turn to it in your hymnals, it's at number 217. Uh, Let us sing this together as we prepare our hearts for prayer.
us pray. Be near me, Lord Jesus. Be near us, Lord Jesus. That is our prayer, not just during this season of Advent, but during every season, during every day. We need your loving presence to surround us, Lord. Lord, we go through so many trials and struggles in this life, and we know that we could not, could not make it through were it not for you and for your grace. And so during this time of silence, Lord, hear us as we lift up to you our concerns for our own struggles and those near and dear to us that are going through trials right now as we lift them to you in this time of silence. Lord, thank you for always being here to us. Make us mindful, Lord, at all times of your gracious presence, lifting us up. Lord, help us to lift others up through your love. And by the, the ways that you have blessed us, may we in turn bless others as we share through the ministries of this church, as we Share in other ways the resources you have given us, the talent you have given us, the faith you have given us. May we be a blessing to others, that they might know that you are a God of love. Work through us and through this congregation to be agents of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings as the ushers come to wait upon us.
Please join me in the prayer of dedication. Our best we give to you, loving God, for you have given your best to us in the mystery of the Incarnation. May our offerings proclaim Jesus in ways that will be received with joy. Send your word to the world in this season through our caring service. May we share it with one another in ways that help us all to grow. We are your servants. The gifts we dedicate are already yours. Thank you for all the ways you have provided for us. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson today is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. And you may be seated. We had uh, planned to share a trio with you this morning along with Pam, but Pam is, uh, has just gotten over a cold and her singing voice has not returned yet, so our trio has turned into a duet. Pray for us. <laughs> Beneath a star was a child so small with no shelter or but a drafty stall. Yet he'd be known as the Lord of all, born beneath a star that Birth 
season we are looking at the biblical stories of the angels of Christmas. That's what I'm calling this series of sermons, the angels of Christmas. It occurs to me though that most of these stories don't take place anywhere near Christmas time. Our reading for today is set nine months before the first Christmas. Last week's was set six months before that. I was looking through the Christmas carols which mention angels, most of them do, but almost all of those references to angels in the Christmas carols are about the choir of angels visiting the shepherds out in the fields at night. When you think about it, that's really the only angel story that takes place at Christmas time. I suppose I really should refer to all of these others as the angels of Advent. Advent, as we said last week, means coming. Initially, it referred to the approaching visit of the emperor for which the citizens needed to make certain preparations. Advent is the season in the church when we most explicitly prepare for the coming of Christ. That's what last week's and this week's and next week's angels, angel stories are all about. The angels came to prepare the key figures in the story for the coming of Christ into the world. They are Advent stories. These are Advent 
angels. Most prominent among the angels of Advent is Gabriel. Gabriel is the angel who we saw last week, came to Zechariah in the temple to tell him that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a child and his name would be John. John would be filled with the Holy Spirit and also with the spirit of Elijah. He would come to prepare the way of the Lord. As I mentioned last week, Gabriel's visit to Zechariah in the temple is not Gabriel's first appearance in the Bible. The angel Gabriel had played a significant part in the book of Daniel. It was this same Gabriel who 500 years earlier had given Daniel prophecies related to the Messiah. Gabriel, it seems, had been an Advent angel for centuries. Luke's Gospel opens with Gabriel's visit to Zechariah. Luke chapter 1 closes nine months later with the birth and the naming of John the Baptist and with Zechariah's proclaiming God's praises. Somewhere in the midst of those nine months, though, to, to be specific, in the sixth of those nine months, Luke moves his narrative away from Zechariah and Elizabeth and focuses instead upon Mary. Six months after Gabriel came to Zechariah, the same angel made a visit to Mary. That visit is called the Annunciation, and it is our Advent focus for today. Luke says that the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Gabriel was sent from God. The angel had told Zechariah, I stand in the presence of God. We see here that he is being sent directly by God. In saying that he was sent by God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, there's a sense of movement in that. Not just movement from heaven to earth, but also movement to a different place on earth. Gabriel had visited Zechariah in the temple, in the heart of Jerusalem. That visit took place right at the center of where you would expect a holy encounter to take place. The angel showed up right where you would expect God to show up. Nazareth in Galilee was quite different from that. Galilee was some uh, 90 miles away from Jerusalem, and Nazareth was considered a remote and insignificant part of Galilee. Remember in the Gospel of John when Philip told Nathanael that they had found someone they suspected might be the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathanael had scoffed, can anything good come from Nazareth? When Luke says that God sent Gabriel to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, a Jewish reader at the time would have asked, why in the world would he do that? What business does an angel like Gabriel have in a lowly place like, like Nazareth? Then Luke goes on to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came and said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now here is something even more curious. Gabriel doesn't go to Nazareth to meet with a prominent religious figure, a prophet like Daniel, a priest like Zechariah. No, he goes... To a young woman, a mere girl, really, a person with no influence, no power. He goes to this insignificant little person in this insignificant little town, and he calls her favored one. He tells her that she is blessed. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You ever hear your significant other say to you, hey, sweetie, and you go, uh-oh, what now? I don't know if that's what's going on here. I do think it's strange that the angel calls Mary favored one and tells her the Lord is with you, and her first response is to be troubled and wonder what he's up to. Then again, Mary was familiar with the stories of Israel's history. She knew that when God showed favor to someone, that didn't mean they were going to have an easy road of it. In fact, it often meant that they were going to face trials and challenges beyond what any ordinary person can expect. Abraham was favored by God, and he had to leave the only home he had ever known and travel to a distant country among unfamiliar people. Jacob was favored by God, and he would have his life threatened by his brother Esau. Moses was favored by God, and he would have to confront the mighty Pharaoh. The prophets were favored by God, and they would be rejected and tormented by their own people. Mary knew enough of religious history to know that being favored by God could mean she is about to be in for some trouble. When the angel says, the Lord is with thee, the unspoken subtext is, and you're going to need him for what you're about to face. Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel, though, told her not to fear. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. A second time, he tells her that she is favored by God. What does that mean, to be favored by God? What, what has Mary done to deserve this celestial visit? Some have suggested that Mary was favored by God because she was an extraordinary person with an extraordinary faith, that God chose her to be the mother of Jesus because her faith was stronger than any other woman. The Bible doesn't make that claim for her. She certainly was a woman of faith, there's no doubt about that, but her faith was not perfect. There are plenty of times in in the gospel stories where Mary did not understand what her son was up to. She tried to steer him one way when God was steering him another. Her faith was strong, but it was not perfect. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that Mary was favored by being set apart even before her conception, that that she was conceived without sin and lived without sin. After all, they reason, how could a sinful person be the vessel through whom the Savior is born into the world? So they came up with the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, the idea that God had intervened in Mary's conception, preventing her from being tainted by original sin. Again, the Bible says nothing about that. If Mary were favored because she was without sin, God would have said so in the scriptures. As the Bible stands, the angel doesn't tell Mary why she is favored by God, simply that she is. We must assume, then, that God's favoring of Mary was the same as God's favoring of every other ordinary person to whom God showed his favor throughout the Bible. She was simply the one that God chose for this task. She wasn't better or any more special than any other woman. In fact, throughout the Bible, we see God choose the less likely Jacob was the second-born son. Moses had a stutter. 
David was the smallest and youngest of his brothers. In the book of Judges, chapter 6 tells about the call of Gideon. Like Mary, Gideon received the visit from an angel. The angel's greeting to Gideon was very similar to the one in our reading for today. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Gideon wonders if that's a joke. He is the least mighty person in the weakest clan of one of the smallest tribes of Israel. Why would the angel call him a mighty warrior? Why would God choose him, lowly and fearful Gideon, to rescue Israel from the Midianites? The Lord answers simply, I will be with you. The angel's visit to Gideon, similar in many respects to Gabriel's visit to Zechariah and to Mary, shows that God does not favor people based on their worthiness. God doesn't choose people based on their qualifications. God chooses whom God will choose. God favors whom God will favor. It always comes as a surprise. It comes as a surprise to the world, which has no understanding of God's ways. It comes as a surprise to the one favored by God. They never expected such an honor for themselves because they knew. They knew as well as anyone that there was nothing special about them. When the angel appeared to Gideon and said, on behalf of the Lord, I will be with you, Gideon responded by asking for a sign. If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. The angel gave Gabriel, or the, the angel gave Gideon the sign that he was asking for, just like last week the angel gave Zechariah the sign that he was asking for. Mary doesn't ask for a sign. I'm sure that's for the best, considering the kind of sign that Zechariah received. Mary doesn't ask for a sign. She doesn't ask for proof. But she does ask a question, a question very similar to the question that Zechariah had asked. How will this be, she asked the angel, since I am a virgin? That sounds an awful lot like Zechariah saying, how shall I know this, for I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. They're both perplexed at how what the angel is saying could possibly come true. The difference, though, is that while Mary is voicing her perplexity, Zechariah was demanding certainty. Zechariah wanted proof here and now that he could believe the angel's words with certainty. So the angel gave him the sign that he required. Mary was simply asking to understand God's plans for her a little better. Does she need to marry Joseph immediately and have a child with him forthwith? Or does God have something different in mind? She's asking not for proof, but to know how this will come about. Just as the angel gave Zechariah what he asked for, so too the angel gives Mary what she asked for. He answers her question. How will this be? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. What incredibly wonderful, amazing news. The child whom the angel Gabriel told Mary will be born into the world through her would be the result of the Holy Spirit. He would be divine. He would be the Son of God. 
This is the doctrine that we call the incarnation. Incarnation means in the flesh. God was coming into the world in human flesh. Jesus is God in human form. It was no problem for God that Mary was a virgin because this was no ordinary conception about to take place. In fact, this was not even a miraculous conception. That had happened before. Isaac was a miraculous conception. Samuel was a miraculous conception. John the Baptist was a miraculous conception. Jesus would be a divine conception. God himself was going to be born into the world through Mary. What wonderful news. But what troubling news it must have been for Mary. Because who was going to believe it? If the angel had told Mary, you are to take Joseph as your husband and the two of you will have a child together and that child is going to be the Messiah, that would have been a whole lot easier for her and everyone else around to accept. But this plan of God to make a virgin conceived, that plan put her in danger. It put her in danger with Joseph to whom she was already legally bound if he did not believe her story. It put her in danger with her family and her community who would have every reason to judge her and ostracize her. Wondrous news to the world, but to Mary? Dangerous. Scary news. You wouldn't know it, though, from her response. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Despite the challenges that she will inevitably face, how will she explain this to Joseph? How are her neighbors going to respond? What does this mean for her life? Mary doesn't dwell on any of these. She, she doesn't even hesitate. She doesn't waver. She doesn't hem and haw. She submits. She submits. She affirms God's call and claim upon her. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I said before that it was not because of her extraordinary faith, that her faith was more remarkable than others, that Mary was favored by God. But in this response, it would be hard to imagine anyone or anything more faithful than this, to surrender herself so entirely to God's plan, knowing the challenges that will come against her because of it. That is why Mary is rightly regarded as a model of faithfulness. This is the kind of faith that we should all aspire to. I admit I'm not always there yet. My own response is often closer to, now what? than it is to let it be to me according to your word. But God hasn't given up on me yet. God hasn't given up on you yet either. We're all somewhere in that process of learning to surrender, learning to submit. That's why we need seasons like Advent, calling us to prepare, reminding us of those areas where we still fall short. That's why we need 
the message of the angels telling us that we are the favored ones of God, that God has a plan for us, a plan that will not always be easy, a plan that may sometimes mean danger and judgment, but a plan that will leave us unbelievably blessed. Join me now in the prayer of the great thanksgiving as we prepare for the sacrament of Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image, breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with all your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to be a light to the nations. You scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts and have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You put down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of low degree. You fill the hungry with good things, and the rich you send away empty. Your own son came among us as a servant to be Emmanuel, your presence with us. He humbled himself in obedience to your will and freely accepted death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with each other, one with Christ, 
and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. We will pass the plates uh, through the congregation. You're invited to take a piece and pass the plate on. Hold on to it until, all, uh, until the plates have gone all the way around so that we can receive the sacrament together as one body, the body of Christ. The invitation to receive uh, this holy sacrament is from the Lord Jesus himself, and anyone who wishes to respond to his invitation is welcome to receive. Will the ushers come? body of Christ, broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him.
blood of Christ poured out for you. Take and drink in remembrance of him. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given of yourself to us, for the grace that you have poured upon us and the spirit that you have filled us with. May we continue to live by that Holy Spirit all of our days, that we may be your forgiven and your holy people. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to join in our closing hymn, which you will find in the hymnals at number 240. Hark the herald angels sing, let us stand and sing together.
You are the favored one of God. Go now and may it be to each one of us according to his word. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I play clarinet. I love saxophone. 